Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Stationary Freaks podcast with myself, Rob Lambert, and of course... Me, Helen Lazowski. I hope everyone's doing safe and well, and in today's episode, we're actually going to be uh, basically flicking through one of our notebooks, one each, and we're just going to share the kind of things that we capture. Maybe, obviously, we'll talk about the notebook itself, but also maybe the mechanism in which we've captured the thing, whatever it is that we choose to discuss. Helen, does that sound like a good episode? sounds like oh we've run out of ideas no it sounds like a actually what people might be interested in which is what do you fill your notebook with so you know that potentiality you get with a new notebook we often talked about this Rob. that you get a blank notebook and it's beautiful and it could be anything it could be the next best-selling novel it could be the answer to all your business problems there's many things it could be and that idea of what actually do we end up putting in it when we start putting pen to paper that, I think, is really quite an interesting conversation. So we're going to do that today. Yeah, absolutely. And this notebook I've chosen for today has very much that same thing. The first couple of pages full of potential about things I'm going to do. And then, <laughs> yeah, it pretty much descends into chaos and carnage and to-do lists. But we'll we'll come on to that in a minute. So anything happening in your world? I am joyfully embracing the fact that because nobody sees my notebook, so usually when you're in an office, people see your notebook even if you're keeping it, you know, just your own notes. Because nobody sees my notebook, I have embraced writing in colour. So I am currently using orange. It's that, and, and, and last week was green. Just the joy of <laughs> the joy of writing in a non-standard colour has been ridiculously fun for me. <laughs> Why not? Just because you can, yeah? Why not? Exactly. Exactly my yeah. view too. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've started a, a new engagement in the last couple of weeks, new gig, and new notebook, of course. Uh, beautiful oh, little paper chase one. Yeah, really nice design on the front, except the pages don't turn over properly. So you lose about an inch on each page, and therefore it never folds flat, and it's it's horrible. You know, normally paper chase. The one actually I've got here today is a brilliant little notebook, but that one from last week, nah, not not not, not good. How often does? How long does a notebook last for you, roughly? Oh, well, obviously, it depends on the size of the notebook and, and the purpose of it. But okay, I don't know. If I take my journal in moleskin, for example, that probably lasts uh, maybe three months, maybe six months. Um, I tend to get a new one each year, and I do probably end up buying one another one later on in the year. So, yeah, probably about six months. Uh, everyday notebooks, I usually have these little black and red ones, they're called. Yeah. And I could fill one of those up in a week. Um, just with doodles and notes. But this one here that I've got here is actually a sort of pretty much a, a, a go-to notebook for thoughts, ideas, and, you know, um, probably expressing ideas into actual plans. And this one might last a, a year or so because I don't okay. use it that often, if that makes sense. What about yourself? I was working this out just before the podcast, actually. I reckon a notebook lasts for me maybe six months. So that's about, that's my daily kind of, I mean, you know, like you, I have... I think four notebooks I use on a regular basis. Five if you include the workout journal one that I do. But the my daily, day-to-day, everything notebook, yeah, about six months, I reckon. Maybe a bit less. That's pretty good. Right, yeah. well, without further ado, I'm, I'm going to hand over to you and you're going to pick oh, maybe a page at random or you may have actually pre-planned this like I have. <laughs> you know, my, I'm going to talk about my daily notebook and I actually split it in half. So the first part is mostly uh, to-do lists. Um, you know I'm bullet journal, which I know you uh, thoroughly approve of and understand the value of, Rob. But 
you know, the joy of colour and um, a little bit of doodling. It's just the way in which I express that. You do yours slightly differently, but you do the same stuff, and I know you do. So, um, so the first half of my notebook is very much just the day-to-day to-do lists. Um, I have a section each week that I have for the Monday team meeting. We have a team meeting on a Monday, and I capture everything as I'm going during the week of the things I want to talk to the team about on a Monday. And I have a Team Lazowski section where I put all the stuff that me or the family need to get done in the next week so that I have that slightly separate from my to-do list. I used to blend them all together um, and stuff was getting lost. So uh, randomly, depending on how my life is going, I either pull that out or include it. So that's what the front of my notebook looks like. Do you divide your notebooks well? Um, some, sometimes, not normally, because I, I just can't be bothered to try and find the separate sections. Um, so, uh, but normally, I just I just go for it. And and like we talked about in previous podcasts, though, I have different notebooks for different purposes. So there's no real need to use one notebook for multiple purposes, if that makes sense. Um, I've got this general one, which I'm going to jump into in a minute. I've got the journaling one. I've got my sort of learning management one, which we talked about in last week's uh, podcast. And then I've got a little travel one that I carry around with me and sometimes like just a doodling one just to draw pictures and stuff so no I've never needed to separate them out really but that's clearly works for you and I like the fact that you've you've actually named your family team Lazowski that's really cool team Lazowski yeah I know that's right at the back of my notebook I've actually got the stuff that I use really often um, and I need to keep going back to they're individual pages as a rule so I have for example the page I've just randomly opened up on here is like a headcount overview. So I know that I have got headcount coming in during the year. And I also know that I'm recruiting and I have starters starting at different points during the year. And this gives me like the ability to look at it over the whole year and make sure that I'm staggering it and I've not got 47 people all starting in July. So that kind of thing is what I do. I have, a, if I flip somewhere else, I've got um, an intro. So when I do recruiting, I do an initial interview and I like to give people an idea of, of everything about the company I work for. And when we used to interview Rob, we used to do this. We'd have a little pitch at the beginning. Here's all the stuff mm. about the company that that just five minutes worth of, in a nutshell, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is how we work. So I have all of that written out to make sure that I give people as consistent an experience as possible and I don't forget important stuff. And then I have on the opposite page, I have, or the other half of that page, should I say, uh, the sort of top five interview questions that I like to do in those short interviews. This is not the main interview. This is just the initiative. So because I use this a lot, I'm doing a lot of interviewing, spend my life doing a lot of interviewing. I keep this stuff neat and tidy at the back of the book and easy to get to. But whilst mm. I'm making notes, interestingly, although that page is open, because that's my sort of go-to Bible, I have a different notebook which has in the answers for each person, what they've said, my notes and all of that. So I keep all that separate in a, a separate notebook. So all my interview notes are different from my day-to-day. So you sort of mix, I guess, in that book, home and work together. You know, I tend to keep them generally separate, but that seems to work for you. Yes, because otherwise what happens is I walk out of my little home office or even if I'm in the office, I would walk out of there and all the things that I want to do for myself or for my family, I just wouldn't look at otherwise. So I need to constantly have them being reminded to my brain so that I get off my bum and actually do those as well. Yeah. Awesome. So. Should we should we go for a page out of my random notebook? Let's go for it. Yeah. Let's get, <laughs> I was flicking through it earlier, obviously, in preparation for the podcast. And 
I've got loads of post-its. I don't think we're going to go through them all. But one thing that stood out was, um, and this is something that I can't believe I've not routinized or routinized or whatever the word is, uh, is a packing list. So I found a page here from a conference last year where I've written out a packing list for, I think it was probably a three-day conference where I was speaking at it. Uh, I've got like, you know, a list of things to pack into the suitcase. I've got a list of things for hand luggage. I've got a list of things, you know, to actually travel. So travel clothes, passport, that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's just a sort of neatly laid out travel packing thing. And then interestingly, on the following page is also a holiday packing list for when we went on holiday just after that conference. (laughs) And I can't believe that I haven't uh, actually added these into Evernote yet with a checklist that's just, you know, just print it off and go for it. Uh, instead of having to try and find it in this notebook and hope that I get it right. So hey, do you do do you do sort of packing lists, travel lists? Okay, so I need to confess that years ago, before I even met you, Rob, I had a Filofax in the days when Filofaxes weren't even cool anymore. Because yeah, I'm just... the, the the nineteen eighties <laughs> called, they really want you back. <laughs> hey, look, this was <laughs> this was before bullet journaling was a thing. But I had exactly that. <laughs> I had a list of everything. And I mean, it was ridiculous. It had everything on it, including the things we had to take for my daughter, who was a baby at the time. You know, had we got her blanket? Had we got her teddy? Had we, you know, all the absolute to the minutia. And I had this, I was so organized that I had used this over and over again. And we went away a lot. And I had this on a page that I bought some blank paper from Filofax that you could do at the time. And I ran it through the printer with this checklist on. So that, and I still got some of them now so that I could checklist through that. So I have absolutely done that. Interestingly, once I go on holiday anywhere, I do set up a page in my bullet journal where I just literally build a packing list out. And it's a, a one specifically for that trip. So if I'm going to see my yeah. brother, here's the things I need to take with me because my brother specifically, I promised him I'd bring him up this and I've got something my mum's dropped off that my brother needs to have or whatever it would be. So yeah, it's very, very specific. So I couldn't routinize that. But when I was traveling consulting, I didn't have that list. I had a hold all and I knew what had to go in that hold all and I knew what I had to have in my bag and I never ever wrote that down and I find that really interesting I hadn't thought about it until then yeah maybe because it was such a habit you were obviously yeah. traveling backwards and forwards every week weren't you yeah 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 absolutely yeah you see what's interesting I, I've been trying to become more minimalist it's it's not <laughs> not succeeding certainly as a stationary freak it's pretty tricky but um I, this list actually surprises me for this conference that I was actually uh, really thinking about how to travel light. And I wrote mm. out all the days that I was there and all of the clothes that I would wear and then tried to sort of double up the things, you know, like suit jacket, I can wear more than once um, and what have you to try and minimize the packing. So yeah, good, good Rob there. Normally I just stick it all in a suitcase, but um, yeah, definitely trying to be a bit more minimalist with everything really. Yeah, so when I was going back and forth with the consulting, I absolutely had that minimalism absolutely down pat. So, you know, the pair of shoes I was wearing that week. You'll remember, Rob, one time, do you remember in the office where I came into the office in a brand new pair of shoes and I somehow broke the entire sole off during the day? Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Because that was the only pair of shoes I had. I had to go down. Bless them in uh, maintenance, they came and glued my shoes back together, which lasted me till I got home and I had to go and wear trainers the rest of the week because I had my workout gear with me, luckily. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's, yeah, I told I told you about stomping up and down uh, next to people's desks. It's, it's not an effective management technique. <laughs> that 
that's why I went and got those those really big heavy duty boots afterwards, Rob. See, that was as a direct result. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, what what else have you got going on in yours? Um, I also have something like uh, a day one. So when I'm trying to start a new process or a new habit, like I said, I'm recruiting a lot of people, we're onboarding them. So I've built a page specifically to collect my thoughts over time. So I know that on day one, I want to make sure that my new starters have these things. Now, there is currently a very lightweight process at the company I'm working at the moment. um, And I want to build that out to be much more full and rounded. So I can't, if I sit down and just concentrate on that, I'll get you know, 50% of the things that I really want. What I need to do is have a place to catch those every time something fires in my brain. I need to be ready to write that down straight away. So I literally know this is the thing I want to build. And over the next three months, four months, I will build that out over time with every little thought that I have on it. So, um, and I have several of those pages. Another one, for example, we're writing this, we're just having this podcast just before we go back into the office. I'm hoping in the next uh, maybe three months. So I've got a page where I'm catching everything that we may need to do when we go back to the office or before we go back to the office or whatever that might be so that I don't arrive back and go, right, now, what were all those things that I thought of? Because I have absolutely the most appalling memory, which is why I have Mm -hmm. a notebook, which is why I'm a stationary freak. Yeah, that sounds it sounds logical, really. In a sense, it's like an ongoing to-do list or a process improvement list, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. But it would get lost. If I just wrote these down as notes in my book, they'd get lost. So that's yeah. why I make an event of them. They get like a page at the back of the book. It gets a big, impressive title. Um, and so that when I'm capturing these things and I'm flicking through, going, where did I put all that stuff to do with back to the office? It'll stand out to me as I flick through. So... Next one for me, uh, is, it's basically an, an editorial calendar uh, in a sense. Ah. I've been, you know, we, we spoke actually before we hit record on this podcast about social media and, you know, whether or not it's actually good for our mental health and all sorts of different <laughs> things. And But the thing is, when you run, um, I guess, content-driven marketing like we do with this podcast, I've got a YouTube channel, we write blogs, we speak on stage, that kind of thing. It, it, it feels like you have to be on social media really to basically announce things, but also to try and, you know, drive up more of a target market, should we say. Yeah. But there's a there's a fine balance between, you know, always shouting about what you're doing and actually engaging in those platforms for the main reason, which is that social aspect to talk and communicate, leave comments, that kind of stuff. So what I didn't want to do was basically just every day, whenever there's something new, just spam people on LinkedIn, Twitter, that kind of thing. I know people do that and it pretty much turns me off from that person. So I didn't want people to do the same. I spent a significant amount of time putting together an editorial calendar, which is theme based in a sense that, you know, every day has a a slight theme to it. And there's not something going out every day. It's like every other day I try to put something onto LinkedIn, etc. And what this does is it allows a couple of things. One is I know what content's going out. So new video goes up on my channel on a Tuesday. That means Wednesdays for, you know, publishing that to LinkedIn. This podcast goes out. I know that the following day I'm going to put something up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, that kind of thing. But also it sort of, in a sense, not trains my audience. That sounds wrong, but it allows my audience to know what content they can expect from me and I show up. So Monday, they know there's always going to be a newsletter. So 
there you go. Monday they turn up, there is, there's a newsletter. And it's sort of, it's a little bit like watching TV, isn't it? Or, you know, listening to your favorite show. They come out at the same time every week and you listen to them. And that's really what I tried to build. So it's a basic grid, Monday to Sunday, um, split into all the different sub-brands that I actually run. Each one's got a little comment about what post is going out, what type of post, is it a pitch post, video, that kind of thing. And this was just an action plan in a sense of rough draft, which then basically got put into my calendar, because you all know I'm a big fan of calendars for getting stuff done, which then becomes routine. And the reason is it starts off as a rough draft, but it, because it's a continuously, like my pages that I have at the back, they're continuously evolving. You're constantly working on them or regularly working on them and things change. So you yeah. update that, which is how something that just started off as a rough plan actually suddenly becomes a, a working piece of your, your life in a notebook. And I like that. That, yeah. that gives me sense. The illusion of control is how I used to refer to it. I don't yeah. remember. Absolutely. But, you know, the thing is, as well, it's all about testing it as well. So, you know what, I might pick a day where I think actually a video is going to do really well. And it might might not every week for two to three months, there's just no engagement or people just don't resonate with it. And so it's a little bit about going online, doing a bit of research, when's the best time to post, etc, etc, all that kind of stuff. But then trying it and testing it and adapting it as you see fit. Um, yeah. Like I said, this was just the first draft. The real thing is in my calendar. And then when I want to change it, I, of course, go into the calendar and I, I just move things around as I see fit. But yeah, what else you got then, Helen? I was going to say, I reckon we should wrap this up with the last. Have you got one or two things that are really unexpected in your book? I don't think so. No, not really. So I think, yeah, should we go for one more each? <laughs> so, okay, I have post-it notes in my book. So those are where I have had a thought and I've written it down because I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody I'm working in my rough notebook, for example, or something, and I don't want to lose it. So I'll write it in a post-it note and stick it down so that I can word it better when I write it down properly. Now, that sounds really ridiculous, but it means that I have, uh, for example, on, I was talking about my day one page, which is what I'm going to do when my new starters start. I have three post-its on there because at some point I've been talking to somebody, had a thought and written it down, stuck it on there. And at some point I'll go back and spend some time thinking about this. And I want to make sure that that thought that I've had and jotted down, I finish forming it and then maybe have a couple of other spin-off tasks or spin-off ideas from that. So it's like there's I, my, my notebook has a disproportionate number of post-its in it and you know how I love a post-it. So that and the fur, as I've pointed out, my cat has taken to lying on an open notebook now. So everything's got fur in it and it drives me insane. I suppose on that point, though, if you've just filled in your notebook and the cat lays on it, is your cat now orange, given that you, <laughs> you're using orange pens? <laughs> I, I haven't checked. I See, that reminds me what you just said, like, it's it's almost kind of like, I used to do that myself, I didn't want to scrawl a sort of half baked idea or note into my notebook. And so I'd put it on a poster now, and then I'd put it into something a little bit, uh, you know, more congruent and more, I guess, more easy to understand later into the notebook. But then I realized that that it just didn't work for me, because I'd, I'd miss out on the whole point of capturing it in the first place, because the whole point was to just get it into my notebook. But it also reminds me of when I went to a parents' evening once at school and they'd all been given, all the teachers had been given these new iPads so they could take pictures of the kids' work and there's like, you know, software on there that they can upload straight away to the records. 
And every single teacher had hundreds of post-it notes stuck on the iPad. So they were essentially just using the iPad to rest on while they were making <laughs> post-it notes still, which kind of defeated the point of what somebody thought that iPad was was basically trying to solve. That just reminded me of that, that's all. That's a genius. I mean, yeah, my, my worry is, is that if I were to just write it down in my notebook as a, a to-do somewhere, when I came back to read it, it won't stand up to that 30-day challenge that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, I'll come that, back yeah. and I'll read it and I'll go, what the hell was I thinking? What I don't even remember what this means because it's not even a full sentence. It's perhaps missing a word, usually a crucial one. So it's literally about capturing it. And so I have to go and remove the post-its and I have to think about them within a reasonably short amount of time. So it's yeah. not that I religiously do it every day, but every week, perhaps, I might go, where are all these post-it notes? I'll just flick through. And it's like, oh, I've got four there. I'll just sort those out now so that I don't leave it too long before I have to remember what it was I was trying to do there. Because you just, I forget stuff really badly. So my notebook, without my notebook, I seriously, I would be in nothing more than a blob. I just barely function as it is. <laughs> Not but I was just going to say though, you do have that sort of recency problem there, don't you? Because if you if you scribble half baked type stuff onto an onto a post it note, and then you don't come back to it while that thing's still fresh in your memory, then you've already broken the thirty day rule process in <laughs> yeah. in that, haven't you? Because you know you've even, you've got even less information if you've got it on a post it note potentially. Well, if I'm gonna, I try not to. I, I try and do a full sentence on the post-it note, to be fair. Um, yeah. But I have to be honest, if I come back to it, I read it and I have no idea what it is, I will screw it up and throw it away without a second thought. Because if it's that important, it will come back to me. I will, you know, if, if you have a pain point and you don't do anything about it, that pain point inevitably comes back. So yeah. actually, you never lose any really brilliant ideas. You do lose them for a while. And I think your really best ideas come back. So, uh, yeah, I... I I'm fairly blasé with it. I find it works well enough to make it something I do. If it's if it wasn't working well enough, I probably wouldn't do it. Um, and, yeah. and to be fair, my bin beside my desk is probably 50% post-it notes. So I am really, really killing the trees now. But you know how I love post-it notes. You'd, you'd be impressed with my notebooks covered in post-it notes, uh, <laughs> highlighting the various different things we were going to talk about today. So, right? Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, so the last one from me is uh, essentially when I do a presentation and you know we've kind of done some stuff on presentations before maybe we'll do another couple of podcasts in the future but when I'm preparing for a talk I write out longhand the actual talk so the first step is always you know obviously coming up with the ideas what do I want to actually talk about and a bit of logical flow usually using post-it notes actually just to move things around to try and get a flow of how the the talk is going to go then I write the talk out and I type it first because it's quicker. I then print it, do a read around to make sure it's okay. And then once I'm happy with the talk in digital format, I then write it out by hand um, at least three or four times. And that takes a long time because some of these talks are like 45 minutes long. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've got here is I've got a, a talk that I've written out three or four times. It's used up pretty much half the notebook, to be honest. <laughs> and as I'm going through, I try to obviously fine tune some of the language, make sure it sounds like I would actually speak. And sometimes I just remove stuff or change it. But really, by the time I'm writing it into a notebook, it's pretty much ready to go. And the writing process is that memorization so that I just can't forget it. That's the goal is to not be able to forget the talk, not to remember it. It's the opposite. I don't want to be able to forget it. And Mm -hmm. that to me is how I write it out. And it's, yeah, it's full of the same talk over and over again through the notebook. 
And we should do that. Uh, we should do another talk on this because I don't do that. And I often think that that would be a really good way to reinforce my thought processes. So I'm fine if I'm talking and it's a nice flow. I uh, quite happily chat away for ages because I know my topic, I know where I'm going, and I know the story I'm trying to tell. However, uh, if you get put off by stray thoughts in your head or anything like that, that's where I think your technique would come in really, really useful. And, and there have been occasions where I have got that moment of, I am completely blanked. I can't remember what I'm supposed to say now mm. or what the next point of my story is. I've, you know, felt like an alien. I've just been dropped here. So I really think that would help. So I, yeah, I might give that a go next. For me, it's, it serves a number of purposes. One is I, I write it in a way that uses the language which I would normally use, but in a, you know, sometimes in a rhetorical way, sometimes in a very powerful emotive way. It all depends what I'm trying to achieve. And what I found would happen is even if I'd read it through and through and through and I'd try and remember all of it, I still wouldn't deliver it with the same words, with the same pacing, with the same enthusiasm and emphasis and I'd spent such a long time getting those sentences correct and as I wanted to say them that it seemed a shame that I didn't actually convey that when it came to do the talk. The second thing is, is I find that by writing it out, I completely obviously remember the whole talk pretty much yeah. word for word. And that helps massively with nerves. So I'm not a naturally gifted public speaker. Uh, some people are. I have to work very hard at it. So it's, it's six months to eight months for a keynote of me doing this process. As such, when you hit the stage, the, the nerves are fewer and far between because you actually know it inside out. And then the third thing is, is I like to add contextual jokes. I mean, you've seen me speak from the stage. Yes. I like to add a, a bit of banter, a little bit of laugh with the audience. And if you throw in a few anecdotes about what might have happened, uh, maybe at that conference or something related to the audience. And I can do that and come straight back to the talk. There's, there's no hesitation because I know exactly where I am. So it serves those three purposes. And it's worked wonderful for me. Uh, I must admit, it's been a, a great technique. Just uses a lot of notebooks, that's all. <laughs> Which we have no shortage of, Rob, if I remember rightly. <laughs> yeah, need to buy some more. I hope that's been helpful and useful for our audience. It's been a bit of a, a ramble chat, I think, is, is probably the best way to describe it. But we're all sort of like, you know, I guess the listeners of this podcast are really trying to use stationery. They're obsessed with buying it. They use it for all sorts of different ways. And we just thought it'd be really helpful to hear what we're using our notebooks for. Um, maybe that resonates with you. Let us know. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please feel free to hit that like button. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Let us know. Leave some comments, what you'd like us to talk about, whether or not you're resonating with what we're up to. And yes, we just want to say thank you so much to being listeners to the podcast. It's wonderful. Actually, really is wonderful to see all those downloads of people <laughs> listening to myself and Helen ramble on about stationery, which we never ever anticipated people would be slightly interested in <laughs> it was a bit of a fun podcast for us wasn't it a little bit of a jokey you know just get together and ramble on about stationery but actually it's great to know that people resonate with that it does but it's given us this kind of obligation i mean actually a significant number of people like this we can't we can't stop doing it so we need to know what kind of things people are most interested in the ship has sailed for not doing this now we're going to keep doing this so, uh, yeah, we'll either keep going sort of with our things that are interesting us or we could start talking about things that interest other people. And that would be really interesting. Absolutely. Definitely. And of course, maybe in the future, we'd even consider getting guests onto the podcast to talk about their stationary love. So, of course, reach out to us if you're interested in that or, you know, somebody would be yeah. really entertaining to listen to. 
I'm super passionate about the subject, obviously. Um, and with that, thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next podcast. Goodbye. Bye.